Our gracious God and most loving Father, we pray you be magnified now in our hearts as we bow before your holy word. Holy Spirit, press your truth into our souls now that we would be comforted, encouraged, strengthened, ready for tomorrow and for all the days you give us to trust wholeheartedly in our God, the Most High, who gave his beloved Son, Jesus, for our salvation. In his wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Well, who wrote these words? We don't know. Scripture doesn't tell us. The author didn't sign his name to this one. Many Bible scholars think that David wrote Psalm 91. His name is on about half the Psalms. So for those that are unnamed, it's not a bad guess that David might have written some of them. And, uh, and we can easily see circumstances in David's life that would fit the message of this psalm. We do know, though, that Psalm 90 was written by Moses. And there are connections between Psalms 90 and 91, and in fact 92, that lead some scholars to think that Moses wrote it. It's certainly Jewish tradition ascribes Psalm 91 to Moses. Personally, I think I agree. We, we can't know for sure, and you're welcome to disagree with me. But if forced to take a view, I would say there's a good chance Moses wrote these words. What we do know for sure is that they were written by a mature an experienced believer, a grandfather of the spiritual life, who, though he might not be as strong in body as he once was, was a giant of the faith. I'm sure you know someone like that. Someone in whose presence you feel comforted, you feel safe, you, you, you just sense this person knows God, and you feel safe when you're with them. And in this psalm, this older believer, this veteran of the spiritual life, teaches a younger, less experienced believer. So you'll see in verses 1 and 2, he declares a truth of the spiritual life, a truth that he knows by his own experience. And then he goes on in verses 3 to 13 to encourage the younger believer to this same trust in God. So let's hear each in turn. First, his own testimony, and then his encouragement to us who are still learning this truth in our own experience. And then we'll close by looking at the final few verses which are spoken by someone else. So, first, the testimony of one who knows his God. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest, will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Well, notice first that the psalm writer knows God. He is the Most High, supreme over earth and heaven. There is no higher than He. He is the Almighty, the Omnipotent, who rules over atoms and galaxies, over the deepest ocean and the highest mountain, over kings and queens, armies and governments, and over the beating of every one of nearly eight billion hearts. And He is Jehovah, God of the covenant, God who saves his people, God who by grace rescues 
by grace forgives, by grace makes his own all those he calls into covenant with himself. And this God, God of infinite power, boundless majesty, God above all and over all, God who bows to no other, God who reaches down in grace to save sinners, this God, says the psalmist in verse 2, the Most High, the Almighty, Jehovah, is my God in whom I trust. But friends, what does it mean to say of the Most High Almighty, He is my God? If this were mine, it's John's, if this were mine and I said this is my phone, you would know exactly what I mean. I mean, I own it. It belongs to me. I possess it. It's a one-way relationship of ownership. I possess it. It does not possess me. But to say of God Almighty, Jehovah the Most High, He is my God, is to say something much more than that. Because we do not own the Almighty. The Most High is not our possession in the same way that a phone is a thing we possess. Because He is who He is, to say, He is my God, is to say, I belong to Him. I am His. I am His. And He is mine. Friends, do you know God Most High, the Almighty, as your God? Can you say from your heart, my God, in whom I trust, are you His? And to those who do say, He is my God, do you know what it is to dwell, to remain with Him, to live in communion with Him? Do you long to be alone with him in the secret place? Well, you are invited, dear Christian, to know your God, to be with him in real, unseen, but more real than seen, in real communion with him. This is more than just intellectual knowledge of true things. It is living communion with the Most High. In his holy presence. He who dwells in the shelter. In the secret place of the most high. Will rest in the shadow of the almighty. Well such is the testimony of this experienced believer. This man whose faith has grown deep and strong. By long years of experience. That the most high is his God. And that his heart is at rest. Living, dwelling, remaining in the secret place. In the shelter of the Almighty. And so now from verse 3, he encourages the younger believer, the novice in the faith. He will be your God too. He will be your shelter too. Surely he will save you. Verse 3. He will cover you. He will be your refuge and shield. Verse 4. He will command his angels concerning you. Verse 11. Well, imagine Moses. I know maybe he didn't write this, but maybe he did. So just imagine with me. Moses has led the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt through the wilderness for 40 years. He stands at the border of the promised land, knowing the end of his days has come. 
and that Joshua will take his place as leader of Israel. And you can imagine Joshua's nervousness. Moses, the great man of God, the man who spoke with God on the mountain, the man to whom God revealed his name, Yahweh, Moses who defied the might of Pharaoh, by whose hand God parted the sea, he had to take Moses' place to lead this stubborn nation. And there are battles to be fought because there are enemies, giants in the land. So what did Moses say to Joshua to strengthen him for what the Lord had called him to do? Well, I'll read it for you from Deuteronomy 31, verses 7 and 8. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and courageous. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Sounds very much like the encouragement of this psalm, doesn't it? Perhaps Moses reflected on all he'd experienced and wrote the psalm with Joshua in mind. Maybe he remembered when Yahweh sent the plagues of flies and disease and boils against Pharaoh and the people of Egypt. When he wrote in verse 6, You shall not fear the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. Maybe he remembered when Yahweh covered Egypt in darkness so thick, Scripture says it could be felt. For three days all Egypt cowered in the dark. But the people of Israel had light where they lived. And so he writes, verse 5, You will not fear the terror of the night. Maybe he remembered that most awful of nights, when the Lord passed through the land and put, put to death every firstborn of Egypt. But the blood of the Passover lamb covered Israel, and the Lord's people were saved. Maybe that's what he was thinking of when he wrote in verses 7 and 8, A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. Or maybe David wrote it, and he remembered all those times the Lord delivered him from King Saul and other wicked men who sought his life like powerful predators, like lions hunting their prey. So he wrote in verse 13, You will trample the lion. Maybe he remembered the cunning scheming of those who sought his throne when he wrote also in verse 13, You will trample the serpent. Or whether it was Moses or David or another, we don't know. But whoever wrote the psalm, do you see what he's doing? He's reflecting on his own experiences to encourage a younger believer. He's saying, no matter what dangers you face on the road ahead, don't fear them. Look to God, your God, God to whom you belong. You see, the psalmist is lifting the eyes of the young believer from the threats that surround to God Most High. He's not naively denying danger, dangers from, th dangers from things that just go wrong in a fallen and messed up world like slipping on loose stone in verse 12. Dangers from powerful enemies like the lion in verse 13. Dangers from cunning enemies like the serpent also in verse 13. And the fowler who plots your capture in verse 3. 
dangers like disease and terrors of the night, plagues and pestilence and destruction. In this world, this real world, this fallen, messed up world of dangers, the psalmist says, lift your eyes, child of God, to the Most High, God Almighty, God who has made covenant with you in the blood of Jesus Christ, His beloved Son. He will surely save you, will surely cover you, will surely be your shield. Lift your eyes to your God and know that He is God. But but what about James, the brother of Jesus, and all the other apostles who were killed for their faith, for their testimony to Jesus? In fact, all of them except John were martyred, and he was exiled. In almost the last sentence he ever wrote, Paul the Apostle says to his young disciple Timothy, The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. But soon after he wrote those words, Paul was beheaded by the Roman Emperor Nero. What about all those who have trusted in God, have loved God, and have suffered terribly? What about those who have served in gospel ministry and have been killed? What about Kayla Muller, a young Christian girl from Arizona who went to serve as an aid worker in Jordan in 2012 when she was just 24 years old? A year later, she was captured by ISIS, held for a year and a half by Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi for purposes I won't mention while we have little ones in the room with us. When he was done with her, he killed her. What about Kayla? The psalmist says, No evil will be allowed to befall you. No harm will overtake you. What about Kayla? What about Paul, James, Peter, and all true believers for 20 centuries who have suffered in this world? What about all you have suffered in this world? Is it really true? Can we believe what the psalmist tells us? And if it is true then how do we make sense of all these evils that come upon God's people? Was Kayla's faith not strong enough? Has your faith been too weak? Is it your fault harm has come upon you? Weighty questions, but we can't ignore them. Friends, evil, disaster, may well visit you in this world. In fact, the Apostle John tells us that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. But the evil that can touch you is only temporary. Its effects are limited to this life. The worst evil, the worst disaster, which is eternal separation from God, you, child of God, will never know. The psalmist says in verse 8, You will only look and see the punishment of the wicked, of those who reject God. The Apostle Paul was not wrong when he wrote to Timothy, The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. The Lord ordained Paul's death. He allowed evil in that sense to touch him. But Paul was rescued in the fullest sense, as God brought him safely into his heavenly kingdom. 
Dear friends, if you say with the psalmist that the Most High, the Almighty, is your God, if you are His, then through the blood of Jesus Christ you have already been rescued from the consequences of your sin, from eternal damnation. True rescue is this. He has rescued you from the dominion of darkness and brought you into the kingdom of His beloved Son. No harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. Verse 10. Nothing that can ruin you will ever touch you or ever come near you as long as you dwell in the shelter of the Most High. For He has commanded His angels, verse 11, to watch over you and guard you in all your ways. Friends, nothing on earth, no human power, no demonic power can breach the guard of the Lord's angels that watch over you. Look at verses 11 and 12. All the yous are singular. He has commanded his angels concerning you. You, Christopher. You, Brian. You, Kath. You, Eleanor. Sinead. Barry. To watch over you. Specifically, you. God didn't gather all the angels together and say to them in a general way, now go about the earth and keep watch over my people. No, he commanded them individually. Angel Michael, keep watch over my beloved daughter Lucy. Guard her in all her ways, for all her days. Let no evil touch her. Let no harm come near her. She is my beloved Angel, Raphael, keep watch over my beloved son, Chris. Guard him in all his ways, for all his days. Let no evil touch him. Let no harm come near him, for he is my beloved. Evil, true evil, cannot touch you, child of the Most High. Nothing that can ultimately ruin you will ever breach your God, ever. You are under the guard of an angel of the Almighty. No evil, no demon, no disaster, no harm can ever come near you. When it seems to, it is because the Lord has ordained it for your chastening, for your sanctification, for your growth in holiness. And even then it is under His authority. So safe are you in the shelter of the Most High that He even makes disaster and pain serve your good and your ultimate joy. For the Lord disciplines the one He loves and He chastens all His children. Kayla Muller did not lack faith in God's loving care of her. After she was killed, a letter she wrote to her family was published. In it she said, I have, I have surrendered myself to our Creator. By God and by your prayers, I have felt tenderly cradled. Kayla had learned to rest in the shadow of the Almighty. It is true. This old saint who has walked long years and has known the Lord as his refuge in many dangers has borne faithful testimony to his God. And how must his joy have increased when he saw 
from verse 14, that his young friend had taken his words to heart, had learned to retreat to the secret place for himself, and to say for himself, the Lord is my refuge. And now in the secret place, this young believer hears the voice of the Most High. The teaching of his father in the faith explodes into new life as the Almighty Jehovah confirms it in his own words. Because he holds fast to me in love, says the Lord, verse 14, because he loves me. What is the Lord's promise to those who love him? I will rescue you. I will protect you. Call upon me and I will answer you. I will be with you in trouble. I will deliver you. With long life I will satisfy you. I will show you my salvation. I will. 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 Dear child of God, you have not only the angels of the Most High at watch over you. He himself is with you. Not one hair of your head will suffer harm. The Almighty is with you. The days He has appointed for you will not be cut short. With long life I will satisfy Him. Verse 16. Every day He has ordained for you will be yours. Evil will not rob you of one. They will not be cut short. Not by one. Not even by an hour. And then come the unending ages of perfect happiness. Verse 16. I will show him my salvation. You are safe, Christian. The Lord is your refuge and shelter. He covers you now under his wings as a mother eagle covers her chicks under her wings. Safe and warm. His angels watch over you. The Most High Himself is with you now and will deliver you safe to His glorious salvation where the psalmist tells us elsewhere, in His presence there is fullness of joy at His right hand, pleasures forevermore. Now finally, friends, as I draw to a close, who are these promises for? For the one who hears the testimony of verse 1 and 2 and accepts the invitation in verse 9 to make the Lord his own dwelling place. For the one who holds fast to the Lord in love, who knows his name, who loves to dwell in the secret place with him. Is that you, friend? I hope it is. If so, why don't you resolve to, this week, tell somebody your testimony of God's faithful watch care over you. He may use your testimony to lift the eyes of another to himself so that they might come to say for themselves, I have made the Lord, the Most High, my dwelling place. But friend, maybe you've not known the Lord in this way. You've heard of him. You know some things about Him. But you don't know Him. And the Holy Spirit has been stirring your heart. 
You sense an awakening of faith in and love for God in your spirit now. If that's you, I'll invite you to speak with me or with whoever invited you here afterwards. Let us help you. Let us tell you more of the God in whom we trust. It would be our joy to lift your eyes to Him so that you too could say, He is my God. Won't you bow your hearts with me as I pray? Our gracious God and Father, what a joy it is to be able to say with the psalmist, we know you to be the Most High, the Almighty, the Lord, our God. You have been our shelter. You have covered us under your wings. You have been our refuge. You have kept us. And you keep us still. And you will bring us safely to our eternal salvation. Father, I pray now for all those here this afternoon who maybe don't know you in that way. In whose hearts perhaps you have been stirring even now as I've spoken. Open the eyes of their hearts, Lord, to see you, the awesome, most high God who saves his people. Amen.